Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. A happy Friday to everybody. Keep your helmets on. November 15th here on a Friday evening. Gorgeous evening. Boy, what a gorgeous week of weather it's been. Mother Nature picked a good day to have, uh, or at least be in a good mood, as Skyview Bobcats will be participating in the semifinal tonight versus the Dixie Flyers. Winner gets undefeated Park City, who throttled Pineview 48-21, your final score there. Uh, so again, at Rice Eccles Stadium, Skyview Bobcats, Dixie Flyers, that game will be here here on this very station 5.45 will be your pregame with John Newbold and Rex Davis. Uh, we'll give you a quick preview of that game as well uh, to get you into it. Hi, everybody. Again, I'm Ajay Salveson alongside Eric Franson. Welcome to the Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Uh, glad to have you, however and wherever you are joining us from. If you want to be able to listen to us on stream, you can do so on 106.9thefan.com. If you miss any of our episodes today or even previous yesterday's as well, they are on our podcast platform. Uh, we're on Stitcher, Spotify, and iTunes, where you can just type in the Full Court Press, Eric saying my name, and you will find us and be able to listen to anything that you need, including pressers from Aggie football and basketball, which, by the way, we will also get to as well. Aggie faced North Carolina A&T Aggies tonight uh, at 7 o'clock as the uh, football team will get ready for the Wyoming Cowboys in a absolutely huge and critical game, 2 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. Eric, good afternoon. Hi, RJ. How are we today? Great. You doing all right? I'm great. Better than Mason Rudolph from Miles Garrett? <laughs> Probably. One has a concussion and one just already lost his mind completely. Uh, last night... Uh, the that first, was just so... That was uh, so. just bizarre. Game's uh, already decided. Five seconds left in the game. Five, what are you I mean, doing? It's game's over and they just decide to go cuckoo. Yeah. Yeah, it's just unreal. Uh, short and show, by the way, I forgot to tell you, uh, Mount, or excuse me, this week in the Mountain West, hosted by Nate Kregman, will be at 5.15. So we got about an hour and 15 minutes to get through a bunch of the sports topics today, local and national. We will get into what Miles Garrett did, his suspension, and why Mason Rudolph has not been suspended yet or fined, neither, which is stunning. We'll, uh, we'll give our opinions on that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think... I mean, it just happened last night. It may be that they're just still finishing their interviewing and reviewing, but it shouldn't take a whole lot. Yeah, to, no, they've already fined two. Clear o- what they've already fined two other guys. Let's get. I mean, they've already and they've already suspended they're probably somebody just else. Deciding too. how long, how long, yeah, just how severe. Because he's not innocent. We'll get to that in a little bit. But hey, first of all and foremost, and so important here, our top of the. Uh, headliner uh, today is, of course, the Skyview Bobcats, who are again in the state semifinal tonight versus the Dixie Flyers. Uh, a really, really good matchup here of two high-potent offenses. Eric, I like this matchup. I think it's a fun matchup. Might be your matchup of the day, to be honest with you, in semifinal football. Um, and one in particular, you have Carlson and Mason Valsliv, two guys on the same team who can create a lot of just chaos for a defense. Well, these two teams, Dixie and Skyview, are in some ways mirrors of each other. But get this, Ajay. On the season, Dixie is averaging 41.8 points per game and giving up 19.8. Skyview, on the season, is scoring, on average, 41.8 points per game. No way. And giving up 11.8. No way. Now, that's the season. That doesn't count the postseason. 
Uh, Dixie, they've had two games in the postseason. They beat Ridgeline 38-7, to and then they beat Stansbury 42-14. to So dominating performances in both. So that's a, on average 40 to 10. 40 points to their 10, 10 and a half. Skyview, though, has taken it up a notch. They beat Cedar Valley 62 to nothing, and then Mountain View 56 to 13. So they're averaging 59 points here in the postseason while giving up only six and a half. No. So the Skyview team is proving to be more potent offensively and more stout defensively. Granted, you look at the where they were, their seed, they're going to play easier opponents than Dixie will, but uh, Skyview has proven all year long uh, that they're just a really, really good offense and a re- probably even better defense. They really haven't been in a close, tight game since they played Green Canyon. What was that? A month and a half, two months ago? Yeah. Seems like forever ago. Since that time, they have been on an absolute tear. Nobody has scored more than two touchdowns on them over that period of time. And they've shut out, what, four or five teams over that period? Now, before we get too happy-go-lucky here about Skyview Bobcats, they've had a much easier schedule than the Dixie Flyers. Dixie's schedule has been tougher. The region was tougher, much tougher than ours. Uh, so, I mean, the numbers look good, but they're also sugar-coated from uh, the fact... I don't Region 11 was pretty tough. No, it wasn't. Not well, Okay, it was tough to an extent, but not tougher than uh, Region 9 or whatever that is in St. George. I'd take Dixie's region over our region. In a heartbeat, by the way. Well, okay, so Region 9, you've got Pine View, which were they were undefeated in their region. They were a good team. Dixie, they're number two. Um, who else did they have? <laughs> that stands out. I, I mean, they. we'll pull them up here, and we'll make sure we double-check this. Um, but in uh, Region 9, come on now. Oh, fine. I got it for you. Here you go. You happy? Uh, Pineview was number one. Then Dixie. Desert Hills on the season. De- Desert Hills was only five and five. They were five and two in region play. So they they weren't great going into their into their region. Snow Canyon six and five overall. Cedar City five and six. So it's not yeah. Like, but Snow Canyon was ranked in the RPI what? Snow Canyon had a better RPI. In fact, I think a few of these teams had a better RPI than some of our region teams. Because Mountain Crest, Ridgeline, and Bear River are all double-digit seeds. As was Logan. Our only two single seeds were Green Canyon and Skyview. Okay, the RPI. So Dixie was number three in the RPI. Ahead of Pineview, interestingly enough. Pineview was number five. Uh, Desert Hills was number eight. Snow Canyon was number nine. There you go. So four teams in the top ten. And remember, the the, the non-conference schedule counts as part of that. So your region, you're kind of beating everybody up, right? That's kind of what happened here in our region, at least. Um, Skyview was a lone team that didn't have to worry about that. Uh, got out of there unscathed. But it, in that St. George region, a lot of teams beating each other up. And then their non-conference schedule was actually quite difficult. I think Pineview's was as well. Snow Canyons wasn't easy. Um, so, again, like, I mean, I'm not trying to ignore what Skyview's done stat-wise. It's amazing, but I just feel like this is this will be their toughest test of the year so far. 
um, of the year, probably. Who? I was yeah. going to say who. Yeah, I mean, Skyview has their loan loss. That was to Sky Ridge. Uh, Sky, they're a five A team. Yeah, and no, they must be a six A. I don't see them listed in five A. Sky Ridge was the number four team in six A, and Skyview was competitive in that one, but they lost eighteen to ten. They've defeated everybody else. The other non-conference or non-region games was Stansbury early in the year. Stansbury, not a bad team. They were number six in the 4A RPI. Uh, then had, they had two games against Idaho schools, Shelley and Madison. So, but yes, this Dixie team is the toughest team Skyview has faced since early in the year. But what Skyview is doing offensively and defensively is so impressive. I, I give Skyview the edge in this one. Um, we'll have it here starting at 545, kickoff at 6. But uh, the Bobcats have looked very, very good um, and not giving anything easy to their opponents. Um, now, this Dixie team has the ability to air it out uh, they had some bombs a week ago uh, that they threw for touchdowns. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it's really going to be on, on... I think the biggest key in this one will be that Skyview defense. If they can slow down Dixie, I think the Skyview offense will be okay. Dixie has shown that they give up points. They, I mean, during their region, so the games more recently, besides what happened in the postseason, they were giving up about 21 points a game in a pretty good region, as you talked about. So they will give up points. Skyview can score on them. So the real key is how how much can Skyview slow them down defensively? Yeah, I think it's the last one to get the ball is probably going to win this game. Could be. Yeah, I, I can't can't disagree with you on that. Who and by the way, turnovers are going to be a huge thing too defensively. If you can get a turnover and limit a possession and and take away possession from another team, I know it sounds obvious, but for how good at taking care of the ball, both these teams are. If you can force a turnover of some sort, that might give you the edge that you need, that one extra possession you need to get away. Uh, Dixie's a tough football team, and 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 not to mention they're well disciplined too, uh, in regards of penalties and such. Uh, they just they don't put themselves in position or put themselves behind the sticks or put themselves in a deep hole uh, because they're so well coached. And and as a Skyview though. Like this is going to be a fun one tonight, Carlson, and I mean Carlson might throw for three hundred and something yards, and Dixie might try to toss it for about that much as well and equal it. Um, you said what was your final score? Forty-eight thirty-one. What was your final score prediction yesterday? Oh yeah, forty-eight thirty-one. Yeah, mine was twenty-three seventeen. I thought I think the defense. Do so you think it'd be up. more of a defensive battle? I do. I think the defenses find a way to figure it out, but I still like Skyview. I really do. I still like Skyview in this game. Um, would love to see uh, a Region 11 team once again representing a championship. Seems like that's been been kind of the norm in a lot of sports, girls and boys, that the, a Region 11 team has to be in there. So this would be great. Uh, Mason Faltov, by the way, is going to be a huge factor. I think Mason could have a huge day. I think he will. He just this week officially committed to the University of Utah. They'll be playing at the University of Utah. Now that was for basketball, not for football. But still, you know there's going to be um, – 
it's some excitement for him because that's going to be his school. And and granted, it's for a lot of these kids to be able to play in that kind of a a, a venue. And this is a Skyview program that's been good for quite a while, but they always seem to fall short uh, at this point in the semifinal round if they get this far. So this is an opportunity for them to get that monkey off their back and still be in the hunt for a championship. And Park City, Park City's good. Um, They made this really good offensive team in Pineview look silly at at times. Uh, Last night, they uh, had turnovers. Uh, they scored on on defense, on uh, special teams, um, and they just kept the pedal down. Uh, and uh, you, there's you can you could clearly see why they were undefeated and the number one team in all of four A. Hmm. Yeah, it's <laughs> you know what's crazy about this matchup is that with as good as quarterbacks as they are. That running game could come into play in some big way. I mean, if you're if you're not stacking the box and you're playing in kind of an air raid, you know, or anti air raid defense, that running game could really, really come to help the Bobcats because I feel like their wildcat and their and their quarterback's ability to be mobile will be huge. And I think it favors Skyview more than it would favor Dixie. Dixie's not a running team, as you've already mentioned. They like to throw it anywhere and everywhere as much as possible. I think Skyview has the ability to be flexible and to be more balanced of a football team. And, and again, I, I think Skyview gets this one tonight. Uh, you know, Reggie Graff, he's their uh, running back. Um, and he leads leads the 4A in rushing touchdowns. Um, so, yeah, but they are, yeah, this is a team that can. Uh, but quarterback-wise, I think Carlson's more mobile to do what he wants to do, as is Mason Fultz if they use him. Yes. Um, yeah. No, I, I could see that. Hey, on the other side, we got... We cannot- Actually, sorry, he's their quarterback, not their running back. But he uh, he leads 4A in rushing touchdowns. Their quarterback does? Their quarterback does. Well, that shuts me up then. I never figured Dixie to be a quarterback running team. Um. Yeah, I'm just looking at the the uh, the leaders here, the state leaders. So Reggie Graff, he is one, two, three, four, fifth in the state in rushing yards, and he well, leads in rushing touchdowns. That sucks to be me. Uh, Preston Moore is their running back, and he's also on the list. But yeah, uh, this uh, Reggie Graff he already has over 1,200 yards rushing. He averages 9.7 yards per carry and over 100 yards a game. <laughs> so, watch out for him. But he's also, he's fourth in the state in passing touchdowns. 24 touchdowns through the air. So, very dynamic quarterback. Doing it with his arm and with his legs. So he's in the top five in passing yards um, in the state. So uh, the Bobcats are going to have their handful of him. Sure. Trying to slow him down and pick him off or try to disrupt what he likes to do. Got to force a turnover. Got to force a turnover. Uh, You know, and by the way, we cannot forget Westside, who's going to be in these playoffs, right? Uh, Yeah, Westside plays tomorrow. Uh, they play at one o'clock. They're taking on Melba. 
Melbourne, Australia. <laughs> uh, Westside, they they lost earlier in the year. It was a close game, but uh, they they lost that one. Should have been able to have a chance to win that one. Weren't able to do that. But since then, they've been on an eight-game win streak, and they've been completely dominant, just destroying their opponents. Over that span, averaging about 35 points a game and only giving up less than six. Just over five. Now, they did allow 22 just less last week. Much of that came in garbage time. Yeah. So you kind of have to take that one with a grain of salt. Um, but Melba, they're eight and two. Both teams are really good in the, on the, with what they do on the ground. Both are known for their running attacks. So a run defense is going to be critical for Westside to get to that championship. <laughs> uh, so good luck to both teams, Westside and Skyview. Go get them. Pirates and Bobcats. Skyview tonight. We'll have it here. Uh, pre-game coverage at 545 and kickoff at 6. And uh, so we'll have it here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, and streaming online at 1069thefan.com. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back, Miles Garrett lost his mind in a game that was already over and then got punished for it heavily. We'll talk about the play the punishment, and the reaction from the NFL and from Eric and myself. Is it the right one? Should there be more being done? And how do you prevent something like this, especially from the head coach of the Cleveland Browns? It's all coming up on the Full Court Press. Eric Franson, I'm Andre Salveson, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. Fan. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Andre Stiles here on the Full Court Press. Friday, November 15th. Aggies play tonight for men's basketball, 7 p.m. at the Spectrum. Wyoming, Utah State, tomorrow afternoon, 2 o'clock. That's right, tomorrow afternoon. Uh, you know, I've done some... Okay, I'm a very competitive dude. All right, I... You know, ever since I was like, I don't know, one, I was competitive. Checkers, chess... Super Mario, Mario Kart, who could have the longest handstand. Mm. Oh, yeah. I was competitive. It's serious stuff. Dude, it was, it was big time. Rec ball, T-ball. Oh, I was competitive in T-ball. And, I mean... Look, there. I mean, and I always got provoked by people. Like, people always tried to provoke me. I remember, okay, check this out. There was this, like, f- food cannery fundraising thing at the Institute for Utah State, and it was a flag football thing, right? And this guy tackles me. Like, like picks me up and drives me into the ground. That's he, nice. I'm sure he, that felt great. And he gets up and he laughs. So the next time we're on defense... He's coming across the middle, and I just shoulder him like hard. And he hits the <laughs> ground. He goes, dude, what's your problem? And I said some stuff that I cannot say on air uh, at a institute activity. Institute, man. It's great. Yeah. So, but I have never went to the extreme that Mr. Miles Garrett, <laughs> that Mr. Miles Garrett went to. First- Ooh, yikes. Jeez, I hate commercials, by the way, and I hate how they show up just out of nowhere. <laughs> I don't even know where that's coming from. Oh, there it is. That's why. 
All right, let's try that again. Mr. Miles Garrett, sir, hold my root beer. And there's a brawl going oh, yeah. down inside the 10-yard line. Mason Rudolph and Larry Ogunjobi are going down, and the Steelers oh. are kicking oh, Ogunjobi man. in the head, and the benchers are coming off the field. Both sides are coming off the field. Marquise Pouncey was kicking Ogunjobi in the head. Well, I think he'll have next weekend off. Now, Freddie Kitchens is on the Brown sideline and telling the rest of his team to stay in the bench area. The Steelers only have about 10 guys left in their bench area. And security is out in the end zone, stringing the end zone, making sure the fans don't get out on the field. Larry Ogunjobi put a hit on Rudolph. He didn't take kindly to it, and then they started throwing punches. Now Beckham is along the sideline revving the crowd up. Hold on. Hold on. Hold what? Just one more time. I feel like we're missing something here. <laughs> and there's a brawl going oh, yeah. down inside the 10-yard line. Mason Rudolph and Larry Ogunjobi are going down, and the Steelers oh. are kicking oh, Ogunjobi man. in the head, and the benchers are coming off the field. Both sides are coming off the field. Marquise Pouncey was kicking Ogunjobi in the head. Well, I think he'll have next weekend off. Now, Freddie Kitchens is on the Brown sideline and telling the rest of his team to stay in the bench area. The Steelers only have about 10 guys left in their bench area. And security is out in the end zone, stringing the end zone, making sure the fans don't get out on the field. Larry Ogunjobi put a hit on Rudolph. He didn't take kindly to it, and then they started throwing punches. Now Beckham is along the sideline revving the crowd up. Okay. You used to ignore the fact that someone got their helmet ripped off their head. Off their head while it's buckled on. Yes, that's right. Miles Garrett ripping Mason Rudolph's helmet off his head. And then turning around and going full Mike Tyson with the helmet. On top of Mason Rudolph's head. Did they just like ignore that? Or did they miss it? How do you miss that? <laughs> that was very ugly. The way that happened. You had helmets. Look, Rudolph was trying to take off. A helmet first. Yeah. And then it got ugly on the ground, and then it came up, and other players started to get involved, and then Rudolph's helmet gets pulled off, and it's used as a weapon, hits him in the head. Then guys are on the ground again, and they're kicking, and arms are flailing, punches are thrown, which I never quite understand as a football player, why you throw a closed fist punch <laughs> with someone else's helmet, helmet. I mean, the, why? I mean, you're just going to mess up your own hand when you do that. Uh, anyway... It was a mess. It was an absolute mess. In response to this, by the way, what everybody's forgetting is that the Browns beat the Steelers. A 3-6 and six football team beat a 5-4 and four football team. <laughs> the, the whole, everything that happened in that game is, a, is, is gone. It's long yeah, forgotten. Yeah, it is gone. Yeah, we, we, I mean, we have, we have moved past that note that a team won a football game. Miles Garrett, in response to this, uh, from the NFL has been suspended indefinitely, which includes the rest of this regular season, the playoffs this year, and they're also, according to Adam Scheffler, will be also games next year. That's how long the suspension will last. Uh, both had uh, comments on it. Um, here is Mason Rudolph, who, by the way, isn't innocent in this, and we'll tell you why. Let's go watch the replay. I, I don't know. I mean, I... I... Remember getting hit by a lot of people, so go to go take a look. Uh, you know, there's plenty of tape out there to watch. Uh, I'm not going to speak for what may have happened. Yeah, he did. 
He came out and said it was Bush League. He said it was a, it was a coward. Here's the thing, though. Mason Rudolph. Rudolph the no-helmet reindeer. You, sir, are not innocent. As you noted, he tried to grab the helmet of the guy and rip it off. Then he kicked that same guy in the Ritz crackers. <laughs> in the Wachobies. With a spike cleat. In the Browns? In the... In the, by the way, okay, so this is kind of fun. Well, it's not fun. Well, actually, it is funny. I take that back. Uh, there is a uh, photo from like 1975 of a Browns player kicking Jack Tatum right in the coconuts. And it's like a still photo of it. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a history with these two teams about kicking each other in the groin. So, Mason Rudolph t- decides to continue the tradition. And, and Miles Garrett, of course, loses his mind. And, and so Mason, sh- anyways, and then one thing happens, and all of a sudden, Miles Garrett is able to rip off the helmet and then turn around and wind like a clock and clock Mason Rudolph in the head with that helmet. With the, that, that's a, he's actually that, oh. lucky, the point of contact, where it happened. Yeah. Because the, the helmet kind of twists, and so the, the foam area where you put it on your head that's actually what makes contact, which still, I mean, he got hit hard over the head. Yeah. But if that's turned the other side around, and so the crown of the helmet hits him on the head, that could have been serious. Here's the Browns on the melee. That is embarrassing. You know, what I did was more foolish, and I shouldn't allow myself to, to slip like that. That's out of character. But you know, situation like that where you know it's an emotional game, like Larry said, and uh, allow myself to... To fall into those emotions, you know, with that, that last thing, what happened? <laughs> he sounds heartbroken and worried and concerned about what happened. Uh, well, he's embarrassed. He, it's, um, he's not going to be available for his team anymore. Last, uh, he, he uh, has, uh, in regards to the punishment that he's received, he goes on to say in a statement, quote, Last night, I made a terrible mistake. I lost my cool, and, I, and what I did was selfish and unacceptable. I know that we are all responsible for our actions, and I can only prove my true character through my actions moving forward. I want to apologize to Mason Rudolph, my teammates, our entire organization, our fans, and to the NFL. I know I have to be accountable for what happened, learn from my mistake, and I fully intend to do so. He's going to have plenty of time, again, as he's been suspended for the rest of the regular season, playoffs if they make it, and also, as Adam Schefter has reported, maybe games into next season. The statement said in their uh, in their response of the uh, punishment that they have handed out, Garrett violated unnecessary roughness and unsportsmanlike conduct rules, as well as fighting, removing the helmet of an opponent, and using the helmet as a weapon. Uh, by the way, the NFL has also suspended Browns defensive tackle Larry uh, Ognojobi for one game for shoving Rudolph in the back and to the ground. Shortly after Garrett had slugged the Steelers quarterback in the head with a helmet, Pittsburgh center Maurice Pouncey, uh, who jumped into Garrett, kicking and punching him after Rudolph had been struck, was suspended three games. All three players who were rejected from Thursday's game are suspended without any pay and will be fined. And now, in addition to all this, NFL has fined the Browns and Steelers organizations each 250,000 presidential flashcards. Garrett will appeal the suspension. Um, and uh, Pouncey and Ognobi also have uh, three business days to file an appeal if they wish. They have uh, yet to do so. Uh, Eric, 
what, in my opinion, what Garrett did was wrong, and the suspension and the punishment is true to that. Mason Rudolph deserves to be fined and suspended as well. You can't kick somebody in the Ritz crackers and expect to get away with it. Or, okay, well, let me ask you this. If Mason rips the helmet off of, uh, of Garrett... Then, which he almost did. Yeah, which he almost did. Then is there a suspension there, right? Because he tempted to do so. How does the NFL miss that? This is Roger Dell sucking at his job all over again. Well, I mean, there was a late hit to begin with. Yes, that's true. So uh, he, he's noticeably upset and justifiably upset. Yes. But, yeah, he the fact that he tried to rip off an opponent's helmet uh, and some of the other things that happened after the fact, you know, should he be suspended? I think he he played a part in what happened in the end zone there, or in the brawl that happened. Did he instigate it? No. Should it be as as serious as the others? No. But he he's not blameless. How long would you I, suspend I him for? I would just a game. Mason Rudolph, one game. I yep. say two. No, I would just say one game. Two? Dude, you can't kick a guy in the groin and then try to rip his helmet off. And then, and by the way, he instigated it more after they got up. If he just stays where he's at, right? If he just stays where he's at and walks away, then we're done. I mean, there's probably more pushing and shoving, sure. But there's no like, hey, let me roundhouse you with his helmet in the head. Mason Rudolph is at fault here as well. He deserves multiple games. The kick, the attempt to rip a helmet off, and then instigating the fight even more than already was done. Uh, he didn't instigate. Yes, he did. He walked oh. up to Miles Garrett and like started yelling at him. Well, he was getting thrown around. What? He was not. He was already getting messed what with. What are you talking about? Okay, he got clocked from behind. Right? No, no, no. That's after actually. Excuse yeah. me. He walked up to the. He walked up to Miles. Started screaming at him. Right. Start saying something to him. So the mile clocks him with a helmet. And then he gets by just clocked from behind from some Browns player out of nowhere. But you can't walk up to another player and start trash talking and they don't think there's going to be a consequence from that player. So the kick, the attempt yeah, to rip a helmet off, and then, and then, no, no, no. Learn to walk away. Yes. Stay. Well, you're the, yes. You're the freaking quarterback. But Your other quarterback's be already been for injured. Talking. He instigated the fight. The fight was already going. No, he instigated. Like, okay, okay, there was a fire. He took a gallon of gasoline and then poured it over the fire. I don't disagree with that. Okay. But so, to say that he instigated, that means that he started. There was already something going no, on. No, no, okay. Well, he. He was okay. So there was a he didn't help the situation. There was no. okay. Yeah, true. There was a kerfuffle <laughs> between both players at the same time. At the same time, you can't walk up to the player after you got up and then start going after him, which he did. You can't do that. Walk away. Stay on the other side. Just walk, dude. You're the quarterback. You're uh, you're the quarterback's already done. What are you doing, you moron? Now, he's probably going to be out with a concussion. I'd be surprised if he doesn't have a concussion. But you can't... I mean, it, it goes both ways. And this is this is really incompetency from the NFL. Not to see that the quarterback's not at fault as well. It, it, the quarterback is at fault. I mean, he, he shares and he's not... 
I should say he shares some of the blame with what happened. Uh, and he should also share in some of the punishment that gets handed out. Um, heated moment, get it, bunch of dudes fighting, uh, <laughs> they're competing, uh, and then Pittsburgh's season has not gone great. Uh, they were losing that game. Game was lost. So you know they're already frustrated and amped up. I'm sure Cleveland's throwing a lot at them verbally leading up to that. But yeah, you gotta you gotta know when to walk away when it's getting heated like that. So uh, is it a little inconsistent in how, in how the punishments have been handed out? A little bit, but I wouldn't say it's dramatically out of whack. I do think that Mason Rudolph does deserve to be suspended. And I think just one game is sufficient. One game. Yep. So you're saying that one game is worthy after kicking a guy in the groin, throwing a punch, and continuing a brawl. That's, wow. You can get away with a lot in the NFL. My gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> that's awesome. Otherwise, it was a very forgettable Thursday night football game. It was. It really was. And and but and, and that's the other thing. By the way, this was a poorly, poorly played football game on both sides. Really bad football game. That just ended in a really ugly way, more ugly than it already was. Uh, that I will definitely agree with. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back, it's time to talk some Utah Jaws basketball. Mike Conley headed back to the Grizzly arena to face the Memphis Grizzlies tonight. That's a game at 6 o'clock. That will not be on the station because of the Skyview football. Uh, so you can turn on your radio to listen to Skyview football while watching the Jazz game. That'd be cool. We'll talk about what, uh, our keys to a Utah Jazz win, what they hope to be a win. By the way, don't forget our show is shortened today. Uh, this week of the Mountain West with Nate Craigman will be at 5:15. Skyview pregame will be at 5:45. Uh, we'll get we got Skyview or excuse me, we got to talk Utah State football. Give you our predictions. Uh, we'll also give you our predictions about tonight as the Utah State men's basketball team host North Carolina A&T Aggies before another Monday matchup versus 0-4 UTSA. Eric Franson, I'm Audrey Salveson. You're listening to the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. This is why I'm hot. Eric France and LJ South here on the Full Court Press. November 15th, it's a Friday. We're getting ready for Skyview Bobcats semifinal action in the 4A football semifinals. 5.45 is your pregame time. Don't forget 5.15 is this week in the Mountain West. As Dave Kretman gets you ready for a big week of football. Big weekend, I should say. Uh, mostly starring Wyoming and Utah State at Maverick Stadium, 2 o'clock. Don't forget 12 o'clock pregame. Eric France and Al Lewis, Craig Hislop, postgame Ryan Bohm joins them. Uh, you'll be able to share your thoughts, opinions on what we hope to be a Utah State Aggie win. Meanwhile, tonight on ESPN at 6 p.m. Well, and next hour, we'll give our, some that? of our keys and our predictions for tomorrow. Freaking just add that already. Just jump right in there, won't you? Yeah. Don't forget, we'll have our keys and predictions during the 5 o'clock hour in a 15-minute segment. Can't wait. Is that what you want me to say? Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. It's good. It's called a tease. It's not a tease. I've already talked about it. 
I got to teach it's you another radio. reason to listen. Oh, jeez. Well, stock USU basketball. They got a game tonight. A future presentation. Now, <laughs> future. Pre- that's right. Future <laughs> presentation. Big, big game tonight. There's a lot of big games. You know, we got high school of football. We got Utah State basketball. Utah Jazz. This is a big one for the Jazz tonight because they're at Memphis. The first game for Mike Connolly back in Memphis since he left. He's played his entire career there. This would be his first game there in an imposing jersey, going to a different locker room, arriving on a bus. What kind of game is he going to have tonight, Ajay? You know, that's that's it. I mean, there's going to be emotion involved in it. you got to remember that. You know, the 32-year-old Conley, he was drafted in 2007 by the Grizzlies, um, spent the whole entire time with that team. In fact, when this trade was about – I'm going to pull the curtain open a little bit. When this trade was about to happen in February, Conley was not thrilled. He wanted to stay in Memphis. Like, he loved, loved, loved Memphis, and he didn't want to go. And then after the season, obviously, you know, Memphis was in that running for uh, a top three draft pick. Realized that with the number two pick. Or Other people pick, were leaving. Yep. And that it said, okay, well, it's time to rebuild and get younger again. And, and rightfully so. And so as expensive as Conley's contract was, Utah Jazz realized that, hey, this guy can make our team better uh, and, and take a load off of, uh, <clears throat> see me, off of Donovan Mitchell. So in Memphis, he he's... For the franchise as a whole, right? He's the leader in games played, 788 points, 11,733, and assists, 4,509. He was the fourth overall pick in 07 in the NBA draft. Um, and and I think it was, what was it? It was like the grit and the grind, I think is what they called it. It was Marcus All, Zach Root, is it Zach Randolph? Yeah, Zach Randolph, uh, Tony him. Allen. Tony Allen was another one. Yeah, and they call it the grind house. Yes. Just great defense. It was always tough to play there. Uh, and They had a, a, a fun atmosphere for a while. This was a team that did get into the playoffs for a little bit, but they just struggled to get over the hump. Um, they went through a couple different coaches, and then it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. But what was steady was Mike Connolly, and yeah. always class act, always oh, yeah. a tough competitor. Great story on ESPN.com today about Mike Connolly and his stretch of not getting a technical. And what is it, 799 games yeah. without getting a T? Uh, it's a funny story about just how he's a class guy, and sometimes he gets punished because he doesn't go after the refs, and he doesn't appeal his case, and so refs... Aren't he's too nice. wary of? Oh, I, I better not call this, you know, because this guy's going to come after me again. And so, uh, Memphis Grizzlies multiple times, they, their coaches have gone after refs in public situations and been fined for it, saying, "Hey, this guy is getting robbed and he doesn't get the calls because he's he's a nice guy, he's a class act. He doesn't come after the refs and make a big scene, and he's getting punished for it." Uh, and then at the end of the article, which where jazz fans really need to pay attention to, it gets fun, is there's this dialogue back and forth with Donovan Mitchell and Joe Ingles that they're trying to get Mike Connolly to get a technical. <laughs> and they're trying to goat him into it, or they want to say something to get the ref mad, make them think that it's Connolly when really it's them. Anyway, it's pretty funny. you got to go back so and read it. So I've heard a rumor, and I don't know if this is true. I've heard a rumor that there is like a betting pot within the locker room of how many games it will be that Mike Conley will get a technical. Like, they are that confident that this season, in an 82-game season, that he is going to get his first technical of his NBA career. 
They're trying to find a way. And I can actually see it happening because as competitive as this Utah Jazz team is in a very competitive Western Conference with annoying people like Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, James Harden, Draymond Green, all of Golden State Warriors, all of the LA Lakers. <laughs> like, you just, I mean, it's got to be coming. And so, as I mean, and you're right, but he's, and, and Adam Silver has spoke so highly. David Commissioner Stern did too, but even Commissioner Silver has said he's the ambassador of the NBA. What every kid should be able to watch play and who he is off the court as well. And I mean, and so back to Mike Conley, that trade when he was traded to Utah and in return Memphis got. Ja, uh, not Jean-Marin. They got uh, Grayson Allen, Jay Crowder, Grayson Allen, and Kyle Korver, who's now playing for the Bucks. Um, it's you know, it's again getting younger, and then obviously they got John Moran in the in the draft. Um, but hey, by the way, side note, and this is really tangent of me to say, but it took me off guard. Did you see when uh, Jasper playing the Bucks, and and Kyle Korver was asked about being traded? And he said he had no idea. Yeah, he it kind of took him off guard. That made me sad because he wanted to end his career yeah, in, Utah. in Utah. He was his looking forward to here. ending yeah. uh, his career uh, with the Jazz. Um, I was stunned they traded that, him just based on veteran leadership presence, which they needed. Yeah, it would have been nice to keep him. Uh, just another shooting option in mo- critical moments when he needed somebody that could hit a three point shot. But and his salary wasn't bad either. It wasn't no. It wasn't flexing at him to say, "Hey, you have to trade me because my salary needs it." I, yeah, that that still it's makes bad. no sense to me. And it's you can bad. tell when Kyle Corver was asked about it, he's still bugged by it. He's not happy about it. Like he wanted to end his career in Utah. He felt like they had. I don't know if that was a conversation within the you know within the room itself between Dennis and Kyle. Well, for a while there, it seemed like last year was going to be his last year. But then yeah. he's like, "No, I think I still got a little so, bit more in the tank." The yeah. guys are like, uh, "Okay, well." We're going to trade you. <laughs> if you still have value, we're going to use that to our advantage. Yeah. So it, it was a tough business decision they had to make. But, I mean, the Jazz second unit could use some help. Uh, I think you know Dante Exum coming back could help with that. He's available tonight, by the way. He's available. He's as available. So it'll be interesting how much or if at all he plays. Maybe some situational minutes or whatever. Let's get back to the Memphis Grizzlies, though. This 20-year-old kid, Jean Morant, who's... I mean, he's really been all that and more as advertised. 23 points, 11 assists for his first double-double in that, in that Wednesday win over Charlotte, 119-117. Uh, he, he's averaging right now 18.5 points, five, just under six assists a game uh, in the last 10 games. He's been phenomenal for this team. Um, Memphis is 4-7 and seven overall. Uh, they're 2-4 and four at home. So it's not like they're blowing people's socks off. No, but they're gritty and they're tough, man. Especially well, against good teams. Defensively, they're actually not one of the, they're actually one of the worst defenses in the West. They're giving up 119 points a game. New Orleans and Golden State give up more points. They're, they're only teams that give up more points. So Memphis, the the style of Memphis has changed. The character of this grindhouse, uh, really tough defensive unit, has has been altered. But, like you said, you, not only is it going to be an emotional game for Mike Connolly and how well can he play through that, but you know Jay Crowder's going to be motivated. Yeah. Hey, I liked my time in Utah. I wish I could have stayed. You guys dealt me. And uh, yet another guy, by the way, who was taken away by the trade. He had no to idea. Burn you here. He Grayson Allen he won't play. He's unavailable tonight. And I don't know that he would have been really that 
dramatic in no. how he would have affected the game against the Jazz. But you know, Jay Crowder is going to be motivated. But you know what? That's it's just a sad reality of the, the that's the a, business, a business decision of how this uh, you run a, an NBA franchise. Yeah, Crowder and Corver were fan favorites by a lot of people. Um, you know, Crowder for his ability to be able to back up people and you know in fights and in scrums, he was the first one there all the time. He was the first one there, uh, and then and then Kyle Corver just based on his classy and, and veteran presence. We remember um, after Donovan missed a game-winning three on a really good look, and Kyle Corver was being interviewed in the locker room, and as uh, reporters you know had ended their time with Kyle, uh, Kyle was like. Hold on. I'm I, not done. I, I, I want to say one more thing. And then everybody just kind of crowded in and, and wanted to hear it. And it was, you know, Corver spoke very highly about Donovan Mitchell, about, you know, he was a player unlike any other because of the way he handled himself, the way his work ethic, his his leadership, um, his ability to be able to deal with what was going on of being the guy. Um, and, and Kyle was just and, – and, and it made you it made you appreciate that. And then, of course, you also lost Derek Favors. Uh, to New Orleans, which was not easy as well, because you see who Derek is. But you know what? I think that's proving to be a good situation for him. He's for playing, Derek, absolutely. Right, he's playing the center position, which is probably his more natural position. Did you see his game the other night? He's had he's had some really big moments for 21 the Pelicans. Twenty one points, twenty rebounds. Yeah, the guy's been a having win. a good year for for the Pelicans. And they've they're not pushovers. So, uh, you I think as a Jazz fan, you you have to realize you can't always keep the everybody that you want to keep. But if if you can't keep somebody on the squad that you really like, you hope that they go to a landing spot sure. that makes sense to them sure. and works for them. Uh, Memphis and New Orleans probably aren't going to make a playoff. Yeah. So that's too bad for those former Jazz guys in those situations. But I think they're going to be good positions where they can uh, be really big contributors for their teams in those, both those situations. Yeah. And and the other, by the way, side note again. But the other thing about Corver is that he actually he was really okay with the minutes he was getting. He didn't want to be a heavy minutes guy. He just felt like he was so tired that he couldn't do that anymore. And he was honest with Quinn, and Quinn was honest with him. He said, "Look, you're not going to be a heavy minutes guy. We don't have room for that. We we have you as a situational shooter, a situational player. If you can do that for us, we're going to be okay." And I just, man, I was just a perfect marriage, and I, and I just can't tell you how frustrating it was to see them let go of Kyle Korver. Um, it, yeah, it and, was too bad, but they they did get younger, and they still they're the didn't sec- sacrifice shooting to do it. Well, if that makes sense, the first four games of sacrifice shooting, that makes sense. Jazz are on a four-game winning streak. They look to make it five tonight, six o'clock on ESPN. Again, hey, this that- is an important stretch for the Jazz. Yes, to get some wins Absolutely. against some lower competition, to get and get those games decided early, yeah. to take the load off some of these starters. Yeah, and they need it. Cause they've been playing some heavy minutes right. in the last couple this of games. Second unit need that bench for you for the Utah Jazz really needs to come up big over the next week here, week and a half. We got to take a break. Coming back, we'll uh, get you ready. Well, actually, no, we'll get into the second hour. Excuse me. Uh, USU we'll, basketball. Utah State football, Mountain West Conference action. We'll get into it all. Derek Francis and Wilde Salveson. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and LJ Salson as we wrap up here the first hour. I love this song. Thanks for introducing me to it. Mm-hmm. Hey, really cool story. Bill Russell was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 1975, but he was it wasn't official because he wouldn't accept it. 
saying that he didn't want to be the first back player to go into the Hall of Fame because there's others before him that should have been honored. So finally, just the other night, Aunt Bill Walton, with his wife and close friends alongside in Alonzo Mourning, have inducted officially Bill Russell into the Hall of Fame. Congratulations, big guy. That's well, awesome. well deserved. Second hour coming up. Utah we'll State football and basketball. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Football is a violent sport, even when it's played the right way. What happened last night in Cleveland was a completely different thing. Browns defensive end Miles Garrett basically ripped Mason Rudolph's helmet off and then hit the Steelers quarterback in the head with his own helmet. The game was already over, but it was a brief explosion that will have long-lasting ramifications. Garrett has 10 sacks on the year and is a key to that Cleveland defense and he was outstanding against Pittsburgh. Even though the Browns are just 4-6, and six, they have an easy schedule ahead, and they have a true shot at the playoffs. But they're probably going to have to go on a run without Garrett. Even bigger picture, Garrett, the number one overall pick, he could be a Hall of Fame talent. But this one swing will follow him throughout his career. No matter what the entire body of his work says, he'll be labeled a dirty player. Things do change quickly in sports. As brief as this moment was, it will stay with Miles Garrett and the Browns for a long time. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.